2: This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes.
3: All right. Yeah, I know.
4: No. <laughs> Hello, YouTube.
5: That's well, kind kind of passed itself by a day. I was going to say,
6: are we just going to keep playing that as a way of kind of provoking other people into sending us one? Otherwise, we're still going to be doing Christmas songs in June.
5: Well, mm, I reckon if we keep playing that, it'll become our default signature tune, and then we'll never get another Dumpty Dum. <laughs> but I reckon though, uh, we need you, Mister Man with the Golden Sacks, to send us in another Dumpty Dum, without the, the jingly bells, because we should always have that. As backup, I reckon. It's rather uh, good. Yeah. Do like it. Folks, this is Dumby Dum, the show by the reality ducky drummer that are centred at Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the spare Tagine. That is Roy Field Brown. And with now the vibrant saucepan, that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Jenny Darling's kitchen equipment, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumby Dum. Well... You know what it is? It's that excellent one we've been playing for about the last month. Now, Lucy, if mm-hmm. any of our other caller inners would like to dumpty uh, dum in, um, how can they do that?
6: If you would like to sing us a dumpty dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on oh two oh three oh three one three one oh five or leave us a message on Speakpipe. Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs. Shambridge for her brilliant voices. Mike Hatton for his character counts. And to Derek, the owner of the back bedroom, um, Derek's having his flu jab today. He's moaning about having to drop his trousers for a small prick, but Auntie Cardboard (laughs) says it's about time he suffered too.
5: (laughs) Oh, uh, that that would probably make me chocolate this week. Well done, you. Um, I can tell you, you're you're in a new environment there, Freeman. It sounds all different. How's the move been?
6: Um... Well, you know, when you start off and you're all dead organized and you put, I mean, you know, because you had Packers, didn't you? And we had Packers Mm. and, uh, but then there's always the bits they go. There's that weird time where you're homeless because they've gone with your stuff in it and it hasn't completed. So other people own your house, but you don't own your new house yet. So you're sort of technically homeless with the cat in a box. Yeah, and then we just so we had to fill up the car with all these sort of odds awesome and songs. And then we arrived at the new house, opened the door of the car. What was it? Oh, a bath towel and one shoe fell out <laughs> of the car. <laughs> and I just thought, yeah, that's so much of my this time I'm going to be really, really organized. Didn't really happen. But anyway, we're in, we're in, we're in, and it's fine.
5: Awesome. Well, maybe we'll have some more moving in chat as we continue with this week's show. In between we hear views from Master Miles, Red Agnes, Monty, Claire, Glynn, Quilted Bunny, and Witherspoon. But first, before the caller in it's our Lucy and a week in Ambridge.
6: This week in Ambridge was sponsored by Bella and Patsy. Who are they? No one knows. No one cares. We finally got shot <laughs> of Lily. Elizabeth pretended to be better just to get rid of her and Russ and his three-speed kettle. I'm fine, darling. Look, I've got my trousers on over my pyjamas this time. Off you go back to Manchester. Off you go. Russ, quick. Quick, put the child locks on. She's getting out. Go, go, go. <laughs> uh, Jenny, darling, is still grieving for her white wine fridge and her butler's sink. Oh, Brian. It's just not the same having to wash in a bucket under the outside tap with Kirsty looking at me through the window and singing We Shall Overcome. Brian and Alki decided Aye. to hold a party for Jenny Darling to remind her how old she is and how she now lives in a really small house that can't fit anyone in. There was only room for three guests at once. So there was a sort of rotor system while the other guests queued up in the front garden. Justin (laughs) handed round some rather good cigars to the men and some embroidery kits to the ladies in the queue, but then Kirsty Corbin opened the window and started reading to them from her book about the Jarrow marches. (laughs) Alky was having a whale of a time, being wildly indiscreet and discussing Lexi's menstrual cycle with Justin, who was eating bruschetta at the time, which was rather off-putting. She was (laughs) then forcibly removed by Chris, who tried to herd her home until she broke away from him and climbed a tree again. Anyway, it did the trick, and Jenny Darling decided that bricks and mortar didn't matter, but what really counted was family and friends. Except Mm. the alcoholics, the philanderers, and the juvenile delinquents. Which leaves... Debbie. Hello, Adam? Hello? Can you hear me? Adam? Things (laughs) hotted up for Helen and Lee. Well, they went to a low simmer, and then the pilot light blew out. (laughs) Helen demanded an urgent summit meeting with Kirsty. I kissed him, then he kissed me back. And me front, she said. Bastard, said Kirsty. Hit him with sticks at once. Excuse me, I must just go and shout at Brian again. I've just heard him sneeze and it is 20 to 22-8. Helen, with her usual crystal clear communication style, said to Lee, I do not want to see you anymore and then arranged to meet him two minutes later. In fact, she sees him now more after she dumped him than before, which Lee described as confusing, but then he reads Dan Brown, so I'd imagine he finds stairs tricky. <laughs>
5: It's been a <laughs> <You> snob. <laughs> it's, been- <laughs> it's
6: been a whole week since Bridge Farm got revamped, so we were well overdue Tom getting a new good idea. It turned out not to be a good idea, but it was new. It is the Bridge Farm Veg app, which is going to be called iLeak. How it works <laughs> is you sort through the Bridge Farm Vegetable Selection. It doesn't take long. It's only carrots. So you decide you want a carrot and the app will tell you if there are any carrots available in your area. You have to specify what length of carrot you want, whether you want just one carrot or you're willing to experiment with two carrots, what your previous experience with carrots has been and what kind of thing you are thinking of doing with it. And then Tom finds you a suitable carrot. And if the carrot's up for it, he brings (laughs) it round. It's simple, really. But as I say, it's quite time consuming. (laughs) <laughs> shula is packing up her not going out karate belt if i wanted to have a strange man leap about and shout incompre- incomprehensible things at me i'd have stayed married to alistair she said horse paintings philip and crusty went out for lunch and tried to work out a way alistair could raise money for poorly children by running about alistair you've got loads of money just give it to the poorly children they don't care whether you run about or not philip and crusty mm. are a bit of a joyless couple i have to say like dylan thomas and Emmeline pankhurst on a date would you like a sandwich, Krusty? A sandwich that has been produced from the sweat of female kitchen labour? No, Wayne made it. Oh, yes, Wayne, who tore the heart out of Beverly drains. The best news of the week was that Brian has got his court date. Like most of Brian's dates, it will take place in a wood-panelled room. It'll all be rather formal. At least one person there will be wearing a wig, and it'll probably end up with Brian going down with a stiff one. The end! <laughs>
5: Oh, you know what, Luce? That was so much funnier than last week, I tell you. I, I, I I'd do some proper gags in it this week. Well done, <laughs> Mrs. I really enjoyed that. Now, uh, starting with that Brian stuff. Yeah. Oh, how, how do you paint these pictures, Lucy? You you have such an imaginative mind. <laughs> anyway, now, uh, right. Russ going back to Manchester with our Lily. Did we actually see that coming? I didn't think Lily was going to go back.
6: No, she really sounded reluctant, didn't she?
5: Mm. Yeah, was, She really it, did. She did not want to go. And, and where is Elizabeth and her breakdown? How low is she going to get before um, somebody really realises that, you know, she's got a big problem?
6: Well, she's now doing that. Um, I just have to warn you of something, listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son has invited two school friends back. And they are currently staring at me in the studio and putting their shoes on, which I think means they're all going to come galloping up here. I can't really stop them because they're <laughs> miles away down the garden. But if you hear a funny noise in a minute, it's three very nosy schoolboys coming to see what I'm doing.
5: Uh, just uh, whilst we're on that, then, so how far are you from from the last place? Three miles. So the kids are still at the same school and everything. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, uh, smashing. Okay, now uh, back to the archers. Uh, yeah. Where were we?
6: I've completely forgotten because I got distracted by the three small boys running around.
5: Elizabeth and Liz-
6: Yes. No, no, Elizabeth is now doing a very good, she had me fooled completely, actually, when she said, mm. mind you, that's not difficult. When she said, um, I'm completely fine now, Lily. I feel much more under control. I'm going to cook you breakfast and then you really must go. And then she had the sort of the crack up the second the car left. And, um, but she did put on an incredibly good a good show but then people who are having a nervous breakdown often do you you, people can sort of hold it together for Mm. i felt very sorry for her and lily knows she's not right but lily knows that if she wants her relationship to continue although god knows why then she's got to go back to manchester and sort herself out and you know Mm. it's just a horrible situation isn't
5: it do you think she needs i kind of stopped myself there. I was going to say what she needs is a little bit of a pickup. She needs a little bit of a nifty car in her life. She, she needs something, doesn't she? But um, but it's not about I think it's way beyond that. No, that's what I was going to say. is my I yeah. stopped myself. Her family need to realise uh, the depths of despair that she's actually in. Though Lily has done her job and she did basically run around and tell the whole family to keep an eye on her. You know, yeah. Lily has done her bit, but it's for but the then rest if,
6: if someone says to you, you know, how are you, Elizabeth? Are you coping? How are you feeling? Oh, I'm fine. If someone just keeps saying to you, oh, I'm fine, and you know perfectly well they're not, there's absolutely nothing you can do, really.
5: Mm. Well, you can if you know that they're not well. But you know what you need? You needs a bit of gel. She needs her mum. She needs a mum yeah. just to bowl round there yeah. and just go, I'm not leaving Lower Locksley for the next month. I'm going to look after you. I'm going to, uh, you know, make sure that you get up in the morning, you have something to eat whilst you are actually running the place. Yeah. Because um, she's not going to be able – is it Glenn? What's the name of this new chap that's there? Is yeah, it Glenn. Glenn could actually be running it because Lily is so, so competent that she could have passed on to him actually the essential stuff that he actually needs to do it. Elizabeth could just be there falling into even more despair, couldn't she? Yeah. But then again, no, 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 because the relationship with, what was the last uh, manager that she had who we heard for a week? Oh, yes.
6: I was going to say Anthea, but that's nice. Anthea Mm. was Matt and Lillian's. Um... Mm. Well, anyway...
5: Well, you, we know who we're talking yes. about that actually it's impossible isn't it because there's still executive decisions that need to be made there's a day-to-day running yeah. which you can get somebody to do but still there are going to be those things where he's going to need um you know some kind of direction and she's just not capable of doing that
6: <clears throat> i did see on the um i don't normally look at the omnibus um the mm-hmm. synopses yeah um oh good the boys are all now pushing each other really hard near the pond excellent um uh wait a minute. Uh, You've
5: got like open water on your ground. No, no, no.
6: It's a titchy, titchy, titchy pond, which is disgusting.
5: Is this like a, a version of Lower Loxley? <laughs> no. No. Well the way the echo there's not some great hall that you're in.
6: <laughs> yes, I'm in my baronial <laughs> hall surrounded by <laughs> deer heads. Um it it said in uh, in I think it's two weeks' time or next week. Two weeks time, mm. I think it said it said uh Elizabeth Makes a shock announcement, and I think she's going to say I can't manage this, and she's going to result. She's going to hand over control of Lower Loxley to somebody else, which will either be Glynn or it will be um, Lily coming back again.
5: Mm. Yep, she needs a mum.
6: Yeah, she does. she does. She
5: needs her mum. That's what mums are there for. And the thing is, the rest of the family are dealing with their own mini crises, aren't they? Because there's the the price of silage or straw or whatever the heck it is that David's worried about. So, And then there's Kenton I and wondered his what was
6: happening about I wondered what was happening about that money because at one minute mm. it was all anyone was talking about. The next minute, no one mentioned it at all for about a year and a half. Now, all of a sudden, it's become vitally important once again that the money's returned.
5: Mm. Well, I suppose it's a, com- a convenient plot device to have a little bit of needle between yeah. the two brothers, isn't it? So it's a case yeah. of this money. Oh, he was getting will...
6: on my nerves with his bloody decks, silly ass. Honestly, <laughs> God, <laughs> he's such uh, a knobber. I uh, think because quite liked it. because the rest of the of the Archer clan are so kind of you know mature and they're not very good at sort of fun, are they? Kind of spontaneous fun, mm. and and Kenton's the only one who kind of do, who does that. Um, but wait so a minute, it, kind of but say... it really stands out.
5: Lucy, didn't you say last mm. week that basically, or was it the week before, that none of the archers like actually do fun?
6: No, I said they weren't funny.
5: Oh, okay. Right. I you said, uh, as you work, Go I on. said
6: Josh was the only one. Mm. Do I mean Josh or Ben? Uh, ben. 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 Um, yeah. ben is the only one that's actually funny. He's really, you know, he's sort of amusing. Um, mm. And the others just, they're like a pantomime humor, you know. So Kenton kind of really stands out and looks wildly sort of immature and, and, and ridiculous, and, you know, ridiculous, but it's only because he's sort of been put in sort of sharp relief against that lot of sort of po-faced. I
5: I think you've been a little bit harsh there. I think Kenton is funny while put into sharp relief by anybody else in Ambridge. (laughs) Funny, peculiar in, in that way. <laughs> but, but, you, but you need it. You need him as a, as a, as a counterpoint. You know, you've got yeah. Linda Snell, who's funny, but in a very different way. Whereas Kenton is the court jester, isn't he? He's the village yeah. idiot in, yeah. in that regard. Mm. Mm.
6: Uh, well, Jenny... he's taken over Nigel's mantle, hasn't he? Because it was always Nigel that would do the stupid, you know, Nigel was very, had a good sense of sort of fun, of yeah. being daft or being silly. And the others just can't do being
5: silly. Mm. And and, there was, and they were uh, knockabout pals five six years weren't they? When oh yeah, this yeah, version yeah. When came yeah. came back, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. it was old Kenton and Nigel and whatever. Jennifer settling into a into her reduced circumstances.
6: Well, I mean, Brian is being absolutely unspeakable to Kirsty, and poor you know, poor Jenny's trying to sort of been in here since Thursday, and I've met mm. my new neighbors and you know they tell you when bin day is and they sort of you say oh I hope the dog's not bothering you oh no not at all da, 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 da. and you know it's all very nice 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 in the beginning but if you moving into somebody with whom you've already got beef as my daughter would say um then it's uh-huh. kind of just hideous and then for Brian to go and stir it up in the way that he did and say Kirsty's filling a vacuum By her sort of community stuff, it's just vile and so horrible. That's the worst thing he could have done for Jennifer. Really, you know. Mm. I said last week he didn't help at all with the move. All he did was sort his own sodding books out in his own office that he's kind of pinched from, or he's sort of he's annexed it from from um, Adam Uh, and you know, the one thing she wanted him to do, you know, he didn't help in any practical way. And the only thing he has done, the only proactive thing he's done is really, really piss off their new neighbor when, when, you know, Jennifer was trying to be nice. You know, I have a lot of fondness for Brian, but I could have strangled him when he did that.
3: Mm,
5: I hear you. But the interesting thing is, is that considering that Brian has uh, this court case over his head, he's not obviously displaying any kind of mental anguish, is he? He's, you know, he's doing stuff, but there isn't the odd little sigh every now and then or a little aside, you know, oh, Jenny, I'm worried about X and Y and Z. Mm. He's been remarkably holding it together considering he's right royally, sorry, screwed his family, they uh, have lost their house in effect so they can pay for all this, all this work. They've gone from being the squires of the village to not quite Grundy level, but they're in a tiny little cottage, et cetera, et cetera, and he's keeping his pecker up.
6: Yeah. But that's the – I think it finally – well, you could hear it sort of actually hit him when he got the letter with the court date on.
5: Mm. Which is is actually what made me think because I'd almost forgotten that he had this thing coming because he's just – It's
6: Yeah. Roy, it's called entitlement.
5: (laughs) You just assume that, (laughs) that, that, you know – is I'm that? black, we don't have none of that. <laughs> Privilege, we don't have none of that. sort
6: no. of art. I think, <laughs> I think. I think you just assume that something, that the normal rules don't apply to you and that somehow something is going to happen that will prevent you ever being actually, having to pay the consequences for um, what you've done. Mm. I know I keep going on about this, but I, when she said to, to she said about Kirsty she should not talk to her elders and yes I'm going to say it betters like that and to just mm. have the idea that some people are better than others because they've got money or social position it just makes me want to throw up you know she sort of got that off off Brian that kind of sense of but not us surely not us
5: mm. Hear that, hear that. When we talked about the main sign of the archers' clan and the fact that, you know, they've got their own little uh, troubles to worry about, there was old Shula, wasn't there, this week? Good old Auntie Shula. There she is, tending to the graves. And yeah. uh, just, that's her penance, isn't it? Yeah. For just being yeah. a bit of a... She's a
6: bit of a lost soul, really, isn't she? At Absolutely. The moment, Absolutely she's getting on so much better with Alistair now they've split up <laughs> you know they're really be- she's being very supportive of his running and everything and uh, you know I hope she doesn't do what a lot of people do and sort of get back together with him I mean that's fine but but in a few years maybe not she's got to have a bit of time by herself and sort herself out first but
5: she but she, she is a she, says who? she
6: says what what do you mean, session?
5: Does, does, she, does she need time by herself or does she need to just throw herself into something? I don't mean a relationship, but like throw herself into some kind of group activity, two or no, three. No, 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 that's
6: fine. But I mean, she needs to find out what she wants because there was this profound sense of discontent. And when Alistair said to her, okay, what do you want? She said, I don't know. So if she doesn't find that, she's just going to get back with him again and then have exactly the same conversation.
5: Hmm. I think Alistair had a lucky escape, didn't he? Doesn't want to get back with her. <laughs> he seems to be really finding himself, you know, so go back there. With I her. did
6: like Jazza waking him up at <laughs> six o'clock in the morning and he said, I'm going to sleep with a gun under my pillow.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Do people really have two tea bags and three sugars in a cup Ooh, of tea?
6: I know, that was grim.
5: We're all Jazza fans, but how much of Jazzer in terms of the characteristics of, of, of the character are actually really plausible. I don't know, you know.
6: I just You think I, he's a caricature?
5: I, I some parts I do. There was the whole thing around Fallon's wedding and I love mm. I, I, I love the fact that mm. he picked her picked her dress. I thought that was really mm. well done and do mm. you remember that he's. Actually, in love with her, and always has been. Mm. But he, but he's mm. he's made peace with that, with the fact that he's in love yeah. with her. And then there was the nonsense around what he was wearing, and it just it just flipped. And I just think we can tone down some of the jazzerisms. The whole, but th- th-
6: that's that's how it started with Linda Snell. She was a total two D caricature in the beginning, um, and she was universally loathed. Um, mm. and no one had any sympathy with her until, uh, she started being well, te- sympathetic to Kate.
5: Well, and- yeah, I, te- I tell you when I realized that I, that she was great was the, the way that she had dealt with Kathy after the rape and yeah, yeah Kathy just confided in her. Yeah. And then you realize that, you know, she wasn't a gossip; yeah. that she was, you know, this great confidant, but, yeah. but how long has Jazz been in it now? 15, 16 years? Has he that long? Oh, come on. He has. Because it's going to be at least 15. Because remember, they all went off to the festival. And that was... Oh, yeah. Exactly. And that's well over 10 years Yeah,
6: Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Well, I don't know, but it feels like he needs to have his Linda moment where, but he's very good at sort of playing off other characters. Like he plays off Fallon and we know what his relationship is with Edge. We know what his relationship is with Fallon. We know, but we never have any sense of him on his own. You don't have a a storyline that's just about Jazza, do you?
5: Mm.
6: It's always someone else's storyline and Jazza comes in to fix it or whatever.
5: Yeah yeah yeah
6: it jazz is
5: never quite the butt of a joke but there is something implausibly comic and i just i don't know it was just maybe it's because i'm drinking tea again now i don't know lucy but two tea bags in a mug of tea with three sugars i thought you know yeah. what i call bullshit i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> just one tea bag too many for me i thought no that's i should it.
6: write in Roy Phil. write in as well <laughs> Dear Mr. Davis, dear Lucy. <laughs> <please. laughs>
5: oh crumbs! Was that a Kerry week last week? It was. It was. Oh god. <gasps> oh, sorry, You've Kerry. Us now. <laughs> <laughs> <Love you. laughs> so who are the gills? Are we ever going to see them? And do we? Oh, really I care? don't
6: know or care.
5: Me either, to be honest with you. Mm-mm. Mm. Right. So we move on from that. Uh... You know when we um, when we did the live show in Birmingham,
6: yeah,
5: yeah, and I had, I had somewhat of a long wind up, when I says what was the point of Anisha, and yes. to be fair to Kerry, he said, well, they were scuppered by the fact that yeah. she just yeah. became really popular as an actor, yeah. and what's the point of Philip? Are we why watch what? I just it's hard me to explain to People,
6: hang on, hang on, just just. Uh, can someone, Kerry, just let me know, should I be emotionally invested or not? Is it, you know, well, do no I get is... that, do I but, get that time back?
5: But but Lucy, this is the thing. You can't even be emotionally invested because he's never on it enough. No. You know, when's the last time we, we actually physically heard He's Philip? kind
6: of had lots of half storylines in that, you know, you, we I thought, oh, is he going to get together with Shula? Because mm. she seemed a bit interested in him. And then that just disappeared.
5: Wow. She was interested in him, not even yeah. a bit. She was, yeah. then the whole storyline just went and disappeared. And, and actually, and that, then that was great—the fact that he was listening to two two ends of the story, yeah. wasn't he? You know, that yeah. was great. Great positioning. You know, and, a, and, a, and then a, you
6: know, and then him and Kirsty are kind of fine, but they're quite boring because they just you know sit in bird hides and um, go to the pub. Um, he's either got to have a good story or he's got to clear off, basically. Yeah, 'Cause like I, you said, he's not there's not a lot of point to him otherwise.
5: Yeah. I I just reckon just clear off myself. I, I just think there are enough characters on this docu soap of which we could explore more and we don't need some half ass Welshman who's just in it what four times a year. Who's actually yeah. supposed to be the partner of one of the most beloved characters. If you're gonna give her a, a partner, give her a bloody partner who's actually in it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, fuck off, Philip. Right, so
6: <laughs> back to the valleys with you, and you can take that Natasha with you as well. <laughs> we don't like her, right?
5: <laughs> so, gosh, we really have gone through all my notes. here. you know what, Lucy? Best put a stop to this, and uh, why don't we uh, do some of the caller cool winners? Because otherwise, there's no bloody point in them, right? So, let's have a little bit of this. <laughs>
7: Hello, Umbridge3962.
8: You quite like Monty, don't you?
7: I do, yes.
8: All right, then well, let's have him again then. Hello. Hey. Monty here. Hello. Um, what to say about this week's Archers? Well, first of all, Kirsty, God, I can't stand her. Um, <gasps> I know the audience <laughs> had a party, but it was a Saturday night and she wasn't even asleep. No, it wasn't. She was just making a fuss for the sake of it. And she didn't come out well from that. I know this, nice. obviously the script writers tried to make her look better at the end of the episode by, um, the, with the Grundy's thing, but really she came across as a very small minded um, and quite worry, unpleasant I'm person. I could quite sympathize the with the Brian boy, and I'm a lefty. So that takes something. Anyway, the Aldridges <laughs> obviously making the best of a bad show. Um, I, I I thought their party was, was quite um, uh, painful. Uh, but, but entertaining nonetheless. Um, now Lee and Helen, God, I can't stand them either. uh, It's like, it's like fingers down the blackboard. Um, do you know what? I was surprised that, uh, that Lee didn't say, Helen, do you know what? What Spider-Man would have done if he didn't want to see me was this, because that seems to be his, his one way of getting out of any social thing that he has to deal with. Um... Oh God, they're, bo- they're a boring couple. They're always going to be a boring couple. I'm sorry, but they yeah. are. Uh, yeah. More karate bollocks. Um, <laughs> the, the, the rest of Ambridge would care is is laughable. Um, so it's only natural that people will drop out. Um, Tom's latest farm nonsense. Uh, another playing at farm stuff for him. Uh, it's going to end in disaster. Always does. And Elizabeth, she's edging nearer and nearer to the nervous breakdown we all know is going to happen. Looking forward to that. Anyway, take <laughs> care, everyone. Speak soon. Bye. I, I don't Bye. think she's edging
5: edged nearer to it. I think she's in it. But, but I anyway. Think, can, we,
6: can we have an award for most bitter listener? <laughs> <That's> my, <laughs> I mean, I love him. I, I genuinely love him. But um, he doesn't like anybody, does he?
5: Not really? much, no. Mm.
6: He was he, I agree about Kirsty though she was ridiculous she'd already decided that she was going to um you know that uh, that the, 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 the Aldridge, living next door to the Aldridge was going to be a problem and so she made sure that that party was a problem even though it mm. wasn't really was it
5: mm. uh, but well no but it wasn't a saturday night though was it it no. was actually on a school night which was yeah. you know the the fundamental problem with it um and also the obviously this whole move has been in the planning for quite some time because though Kirsty and Brian have never been muckers but they re- reminded us a couple of years back that you know she's the kind of the eco warrior didn't yeah. they you know she is crusty Kirsty so she had beef as you, as your little one would say Uh, with Brian for the last 18 months, you know, to then play at the fact Mm. that then they've become neighbours. So well done plotting that out, script writers. Uh, do you want to go up north?
9: Yes. Hiya, Dumpty Dummers. Red Agnes here. I spotted a low flying right you are in an episode before Christmas (laughs) on a much inferior docudrama set in the northwest with a knicker factory. Just saying. I was a bit surprised, actually. Um, By the way, the person a couple of weeks ago who said, fuck you, Jenny. Oh, that made me laugh. I wanted to say, (laughs) fuck you, all the Aldridges apart from Brian. If he hadn't buried (laughs) nuclear waste, there wouldn't have been a farm, there wouldn't have been private education, rutting stags, the Aldridge Millennium Wood, let alone a kitchen that costs more than the GDP of Wales. So, shut (laughs) your faces, Aldridges and all the hanger oners (laughs) Oh, um, on the subject of snobbery, I really like inverted snobbery. Uh, Can I say that my granny, I used to stay with had a two-up, two-down rented terrace with a vestibule that had an outside bog, a zinc bath, one cold tap and a posser. And we were happy. That's what the a North's was... all about.
5: Oh, I love a bit of inverted snobbery.
6: What's a posser? Wow. Oh, Listen. Hello. A posser or a washing dolly mm. was historically a tool used for possing laundry by pumping the posser. Up and down on the laundry in the dolly tub, or directly in the copper, or mixing laundry while hand washing it. That's amazing.
5: I didn't quite understand that. Can you say Look it, it up more and slowly? Then you'll see- no, you got. You're so excited, right? Sorry,
6: it's basically a way of hand. Ma- Shut up, Basil. Go Isn't away. it a mangle? It's basic. It, no, it's like a pumper up and downer that <laughs> that twiddles the laundry around while you're washing it. So you put it in a big tub and then mm. you. Um, Wash it up and down, and then it mixes up and cleans it.
0: Hmm. It's a
6: hand way of hand washing it. It's S- called a washing dolly. So, you know, like. Possing you're... is an older word than dolly. It means beat down or thrust. There are early 17th century references to linen being possed and to possing tubs.
5: But you know, you're like all solidly middle class and proper. You people like to old Yes you are. Yes you are. Right. And you people like to slightly go backwards. You don't quite trust technology and stuff, and there's kind of an inverted snobbery in terms of having old bits of equipment. So you could like, you know, big up yourself by getting one of them, couldn't you?
6: I am not hand possing laundry. Just for middle class credentials.
5: Hmm. All right, you know, you watch, right, it's going to become really popular in the next 18 months, you'll be all over it. Um,
6: I'll be all about the possing, will I?
5: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
6: Uh,
5: but I do love a bit of Red Agnes, you know. I, 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 I do love her.
6: I know, she's ace. I told you, she's Maxine Peak.
5: Who's Maxine Peak? Remind me.
6: Uh, Maxine Peake is on that court drama, and she was on Dinner Ladies of Victoria Wood. That's where she's got started uh, and she's really pretty she's got blonde hair and she has a really uh, strong accent a bit like red agnes's accent
5: all right here's somebody whose accent is much more neutral than that it's glenn full of love hello dumpty dum it's glenn here uh, as this is my
10: hello. first call in of 2019 and i think we're still just about within the the allowed period may i wish the whole team and all Dumpty Dumbers a very happy new year. I think we've just had um, two weeks worth of Kerry Davis scripts, and it always makes a difference. I think when Kerry is writing, um, haven't heard last nights yet. That's Friday nights, and um, did see something that Kerry was on the Twitters saying that um, Brian's um, sentence could be thirteen years um, writing a a soap about rural affairs. <laughs> um, well, I don't know what Kerry has done to be sentenced to writing The Archers, but I hope whatever it was, was bad enough so that he has been sentenced uh, to life to writing <laughs> this wonderful soap. So, so um, Kerry, uh, please keep up the good work. Uh, on The Archers itself, um, the scene that caught my attention this week was the one between uh, Kirsty and Helen. Um, where, um, you know, for five minutes or whatever, we were treated to a scene where clearly neither of them was listening to the other, which um, uh, caused, uh, you know, uh, great amusement to me, at least. Um, and uh, Helen said, um, she uh, Helen mentioned she felt when she kissed Lee, she had lost control. Well, I think a thousand PhDs could be written on the word control and its meaning in um the storyline of, uh, of Helen Archer stroke Titchener stroke Archer stroke whatever. Okay um, thank you to all in Dumpty Dum Thank you to for keeping this podcast going and please like Kerry keep up the good work. Bye. Oh thank
5: you Glyn. We haven't really spoken about Helen and Lee have we? We didn't do it last week. That's a bigger mission last week. Uh, where do you stand on it Alice?
6: very sort of gentle and he wouldn't he's the polar opposite of rob i think although people were concerned about this business of, of of his ex refusing to let him see the children but i don't know whether that's was designed to sort of engender sympathy for him from us you know what a nice guy poor chap sort of thing um he does drive me mad though i mean you know protein and you know I like Dan Brown and blah, 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 blah. He's sort of oh, so he's she's just, just a good she's just got a completely
5: the earth bloke and because he's yeah. somewhat uncomplicated you don't like him
6: no i don't not like him i just find him a that's bit what dull you said. You but said... i think that's probably i think helen probably needs dull she's Absolutely. had enough excitement she's had more excitement than anyone needs ever mm. so you know if if she's happy with dull and he's just and he's very nice with henry So, you know, Mm. I just, if, if Rob comes back though, I'm not sure Lee's going to be able to, uh, Lee's not going to be much use apart from he could karate Mm. chop him in the knackers, which would be excellent. He's not a sort of a, an overly macho sort of bloke, which, which means that Rob would regard him as a pushover. So it might be quite fun
5: to then. Well, I don't know. I think you've got a somewhat old fashioned view of what, being macho is if someone is a karate teacher and can obviously physically handle themselves but you don't think they're overly macho but what i would say though is that when you sit down and think about this and i know i've kind of said it before but this just kind of brought it out to me again that apart from the fact that i just want to see or hear much less of helen on this thing (laughs) right apart from put that to one side The positioning and the plotting of the character of Helen is masterful because we listened to, what, three years of her being emotionally, physically and sexually abused. And it was horrendous. It was gripping. It was everything. And I hate to say this, but I can't think of a better word. Post, we don't feel instinctively, oh, great, you go for it. She still irritates us. Which, you've yep. got to say, amazing writing. Because we... Well, it, go.
6: bizarrely, I was thinking that exact thought this morning. I was walking through the woods with Baz. Mm. And I was thinking about... Do you remember when Helen was released from prison?
5: And they went to now that. When you said Baz, I was thinking Baz Benning-Boy, that, that horrible Baz celebrity. Baz boy Oh, hate him. <laughs> hate him, hate him. But anyway, go on. Sorry, I just had the picture of you, you and some, some, some black man walking in the woods, oh, loose. <laughs> 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 but no, you meant your dog. You meant your dog.
6: Um, and uh, I was thinking, do you remember when, when Helen was released from prison, that the BBC filmed me and my friend Rachel and Jenny Murray and various other people, uh, listening to the recording mm. and I cri- when the re- when the verdict was announced I cried
5: mm-hmm.
6: very briefly but I, I cried and I was thinking this morning that is remarkable that I was so invested in Helen that I cried on national television but I now Go! Oh, for God's sake, shut up! <laughs> Every time she says anything, <laughs> absolutely, and you're ex- you're exactly right. But d- just because something shit happens to somebody doesn't make them nicer. It doesn't make them any easier to deal with. And she, fundamentally, she changed slightly, but maybe not enough.
5: Mm.
6: It is. Under- She's less judgmental, but only a bit.
5: Who was the bag lady that came into things?
6: Oh, Alison Steadman's character.
5: Yeah. Well, we can't remember her name, but we know who we're talking about.
6: Yeah, the Welsh lady. I've completely forgotten. Alwyn.
5: There you go. Boom. Well done, Freeman. That all felt odd for me in the fact that Helen didn't like her. Alwyn was horrible, right? But before Alwyn could unfurl her horribleness, Helen was just like, I don't want to hear what you're doing here, blah, 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 blah. Right. And I always thought that was odd because Helen was very much a trusting person, but I suppose it was to show yeah. you how much Rob had corroded yeah, her. Absolutely. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So it makes sense that she's incredibly wary around Lee. And I forget which caller row it was that says that as bored as like yeah, you know, it was Master Miles, wasn't it? Just just hurry along and stuff. Oh no we haven't had him yet, fuck. right sorry everybody i tell you what i'll do now why don't we just play master
2: miles
11: hello it's master miles calling from the frozen tundra of upstate new york this week on the archers we had good angels and bad helen and lee clearly seem destined to fall in love and live happily ever after which god knows helen deserves at this point however they're dragging this out far too long If someone befriends you, kisses you, comes back the next day to say they can never see you again, and the next day after that comes to your workplace to say they're not sure what they want, I think that's called emotional manipulation, and Helen really ought to grow up a little and figure out what she feels and act on it. I know she went through a lot with Rob, but that doesn't justify treating Lee as badly as she's been doing. Speaking of treating people badly, Brian has been absolutely awful to kirsty and the idea that he didn't mean anything terrible when he slantingly referred to her miscarriage because what he really meant to refer to was that she had been left at the altar by tom and had a void in her life uh doesn't make any sense especially considering that she already has a very nice boyfriend now uh he's just being made a cartoon ogre and i don't think it works very well Fortunately, I don't think Kirstie will have to put up with him for long. It's looking increasingly likely to me that Brian and Jenny will be going back to home farm. Eventually, the mysterious gills who aren't moving in but have now trashed the place uh, don't seem to be uh, a long term plot point. This is going to be a flash in the pan. Uh, I'm starting to wonder whether the gills are actually the people who dumped all that toxic waste in Lone Mead all those years ago after all. <laughs> uh, that's my prediction. We'll see what happens. Thanks to everyone at Dumpty Dum. Have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Now, I tricked myself up by... Uh... But what I
5: said before. Now, now I now can come back. I can circle back, Master Miles. You've been a bit harsh. Whilst I agree, it's ty- It's somewhat wearisome to listen to that. Their very slow courtship. It's actually incredibly understandable. I think. Yeah. I think you've been being a little bit mean there, sir. And so.
6: And also, I guess she doesn't. A bit like Tom, mm. you know, who so dramatically. Well, actually, I sp- you know, this is one of those tandem storylines again, isn't it? Mm. Tom spectacularly stuffed up his romantic life. First of all, he you know he was unfaithful to Kirsty. Then he was. Um, then he he no, he was unfaithful to Brenda, was it? And then he um... no, it
5: was Kirsty. It wasn't because he goes off with uh, whilst well, he's with Kirsty, he goes off with the supermarket. Manager. oh that's
6: right and then it was brenda and they lived together and then that didn't work out and then he went back with kirsty and mm. then he jilted her but instead of being cautious he's just gone in like the blooming cavalry hasn't he he's gone in with you know he's i'm i've got tattoo i'm got i've met her family i'm doing blah, 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 blah. i'm taking her advice on the, on on the you know i'm involving her in the future of the farm and all this stuff mm. whereas helen has got the brakes on so hard she's barely moving. Which is, you know, I suppose, yeah. the two different ways of how you how you deal with, you know, trusting yourself when you sort of go back into dating again. Mm,
5: I think you're, you're very perceptive to see that it's, you know, two storylines running in parallel that we're supposed to compare and contrast as well. Because actually as well, Lee, okay, he's a little bit dull, but actually he's a stand-up guy, isn't he? He's kind yeah. of perfectly boringly normal and there is absolutely no reason for Helen to mistrust anything that he's done so far whereas with, yeah. with uh, Natasha she's a bit bullshy. she's telling people how to run their farm when she's she's been doing hair and makeup for X amount of years beforehand you know winding up poor Tony up etc etc and stuff so there isn't just um, the way the two siblings have reacted to these relationships is also the partners involved as well. So hm. Well done you. God, you are clever. Right. Uh shall we go to the upper, lower east, west
2: side? Yes. Greetings, Lucy Royfeld, Yokel Bear, and all Dumpty hey. Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, speaking to you from chilly New York City. A couple of times, though, this past week, I thought I was transported back to Ambridge in the 1960s in terms of, first, how one woman presented herself, and then, second, how one woman was treated. First, Helen, ruminating melodramatically about the kiss she and Lee shared in the parking lot, and then concluding that she must... Nip her relationship with him in the bud. I thought I was listening to a scene from Peyton Place or Splendor in the Grass. Mm-hmm. Upon further reflection, I understood that she's still navigating the emotional fallout of the trauma that was Rob. We keep telling oh. Uncle Terry <laughs> that she needs therapy, but does he listen? No. By the end of the week, it looked like Helen had rethought her stance and had opened up her heart a bit and the door to a relationship with Lee. I hope it works out for them, but we know there will be a major bump in the road when he finds out about Helen's history. Next, Brian calling Kirsty one of those joyless feminist eco-warrior mm-hmm. types was well, certainly not mm-hmm. one of his finest moments, even though it was in the context of doing something nice for Jenny. It called to mind America's Archie Bunker, or Donald Trump, if you'd like. What got to me was that Adam hardly raised his voice in protest of Brian's inappropriate remarks. I expect more from my fellow gay man in that circumstance. But then again, I guess not from Adam. That's all my thoughts for today, except that Elizabeth needs treatment as well, obviously. But I'll leave that (laughs) to others to discuss. Talk to you soon.
5: Mm. Bye. Bye bye with a spoon, in the lower west. I think I side. think Adam
6: was still recovering from from Alice Alki Alice share, sharing all his kind of um, intimate life details with with uh, any, everyone within a two mile radius. Wasn't she? Wasn't he? Yeah,
5: that was funny. That was very funny.
6: <laughs> I liked when she said, "Whoop! no, get off us, I'm fine.
5: <laughs> get off.
6: <laughs> get off." <laughs> Well, it is funny, but it's not going to be funny. As so It is going to be all very sad soon.
5: Smashing. Right. Um, you know what, <laughs> Luce? What, we have got the most tremendous first-time in Now, we've had caller from all points of the globe, haven't we?
7: Uh-huh. No, we haven't.
5: We've never had one from Hawaii.
7: Hello, it's fellow WDMers. Hello, from Hawaii. This is Claire. I'm wow. a first-time caller in, So I'm a bit nervous. Um, I started listening to The Archers probably unwittingly when I was really young. My mum was a big fan and we used to tease her about listening. So this is my karmatic comeuppance. I got into it when Phoebe was born and I've listened ever since. So um, my mum's having the last laugh now. Anyway, um, <laughs> just wanted to call in for ages but was a bit nervous about um, getting in touch. But anyway, just listened to an episode, so it's fresh in my head. Um, Tom and Helen, the lack of awareness and emotional intelligence. So Mm. Tom just really doesn't get it, does he? You know, twice in tonight's episode, which is the 9th of um, January, um, he completely missed the cues that Johnny fed him about Helen not being herself. And then when he started talking Mm. about, oh, yes, another new project again. Um, totally missed Johnny's cues that, oh, I thought I was going to be involved. Mm. And then Helen and Lee, it's heartbreaking. I understand how she feels, but, you know, Helen, come on, he's a great guy. And don't cut him off. You know, start with friendship. You never know where it's going to end up. But anyway, there's my tuppence. So um, just wanted to let you know, love the show and... Uh, Lucy and Royfield you're doing a brilliant job I love tuning in every week I love going on the Facebook page really feel like I'm part of the community and uh, really glad I found you guys so have a good Aww. week bye
6: thank you bye Claire
7: bye bye
5: Claire
6: Hawaii imagine that
5: mm. Im- cool yeah imagine what in Hawaii just being there yeah I am imagining Exciting. It'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right, Arloose. Don't
6: start persuading her to invite you over. Um, I, mm. I think yeah, she she's exactly right, and that is that is one of the the things with um with 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 Tom is his total lack of emotional intelligence. He just has none, 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 none. none. They, I, I don't think, I don't think Pat has. I think they've they've inherit if you can inherit the lack of something from somebody I think they've inherited the lack of emotional intelligence from Pat because that giving away Helen's b- um bracelet to uh Natasha um she just doesn't she doesn't get it a lot of the time um and uh, and they they don't either and also the way Helen was carrying on it was you know about a kiss that was all it was um and you know, it, it, she really was. It's it's again. It's quite immature. It's it's how a sort of a seventeen-year-old would, you know. Oh God! So now I've got to. I've kissed him. So now I've got to decide. I've got to do something. I've got to either say I'm going out with her. I'm not. Blah, blah. There's no loose, kind of just Lucy, just Lucy. What
5: Helen's what? dating life has been a disaster. There was Greg That's who true. killed himself. Yeah. You know, she mm-hmm. nearly mm-hmm. killed her husband. And that's just off the top yeah. of my head. Then... <laughs> <laughs> come on.
6: They're just the ones I can think of immediately. <laughs> then there was that
5: bloke who discovered uh, that she'd had, um, uh, had Henry with donor sperm and he ran a mile. Yeah, yeah. Come on now. The, I, my initial theory... Sorry, I just
6: heard that as donut sperm. <laughs> I've just realised what you said, donut sperm. <laughs> I was thinking, well, is that like a custard one?
5: <laughs> oh, I tell you, there's an amazing story about the woman who um, had donor sperm. Um, she, in a lesbian relationship, they decided to have a child, so she needed some donor sperm. Um, had um, had a beautiful daughter. Uh, when the daughter was fourteen, um, she said, "I'd like to try and find my father." The father had basically said. Uh, it left on his notes if any if you know if his if father's any children, they can come and find him uh so she goes up to Seattle, I forget where they were from somewhere in California, they go up to Seattle to meet a biological father in that time um the, her her mother had uh broken up with with her partner and she fell in love with the guy who uh, was the uh sperm donor and He's just like some. He had I don't know ten, twelve children who had sort him out and whatever. So this old big BBC online story I, I read last week, where she's, you know, so she's now uh, the the mother of the child is now with the the father with the sperm donor father, and they're all a big happy family. Only in America. Aww. Only in America. Yeah. Um. Where 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 was where were we? I was I was wittering on. So yeah. So he he scarpered. Right. So it's difficult, not in real time, to go, fucking hell, this is just like so tedious. And it did feel incredibly teenage. You're completely right. Her and Kirsty having that conversation felt yeah. like teenage girls. And I was slightly surprised that Kirsty kind of went along with it the way that she did. You'd think she'd be a bit be like, come on now, Helen, blah, blah, blah. But she knows what she's been through. Mm, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, if I was a bloke in Ambridge and my mate, you know, said, oh, you know, I quite fancy that Helen Archer, I'd be like, you mm, uh, know, give it a year or two. You know, she's a fragile person, isn't she? Mm. And I think that and the whole thing about going to France was to, to play up the fact that she doesn't quite have that social confidence, but she's, but she's, she's rediscovering it that she didn't want to go by. Yeah. She, first, she didn't want to go. Then it was a case of she'll go with somebody. She'll go with her dad. who's going to be great. And then she managed to just about go by herself. You know, I, I don't want any more Helen Archer. I say that all the time. But in this regard, if we're going to have her on our radio, I think, come on. Come on, people. Be a bit reasonable.
6: And next, who have we got? Oh, Quilted Bunnies next. Ooh, all right,
3: then. Evening. Uh, quilted Bunny here, Evening. Uh, with not one but two plot predictions and a factoid. So, um, number one, I reckon uh, that Toby will find himself a new girlfriend, which will cause friction between him and Pip regarding his ability yep. to pull his weight concerning the care of Rosie. Now, whether Uncle Lex is bright enough to get in there is, uh, is another matter. Number two is slightly more serious um, something will happen at the young offenders, which will result in Freddie losing some of his remission and he won't be tagged and back in Ambridge by the end of March. And uh, mm-hmm. Lizzie and Lily will go into meltdown when they're informed that Freddie has been placed on suicide watch. And a little factoid, um, people have been querying where the audience for Canterbury Tales was coming from. But uh, Kerry Davis uh, uh, tweeted just this morning that Ambridge has a population of 800, which was uh, more than I ever thought it was. So perhaps oh, yes. <laughs> um, you know, Grange, Spinney and Cleveland's and all these places are bigger and more densely populated than ever we thought, so that's something to bear in mind. Um, keep up the good work, and uh, bye. Bye. Uh,
5: nice to hear from you, quilted bunny. Oh, let, yeah. Let, let's his phone yeah, down. Let's <laughs> enough of that, sir. <laughs> Just on this Ambridge having eight hundred people. Yeah. I stared at that map of Ambridge for hours on end there is no <laughs> human way that that place is home to 800 souls it's just not unless you're counting the, the sheep.
6: 24 people living in ambridge in my head that's it
5: <laughs> and I don't, I, yes there are the buttons and yes there are the the various silence but when you look at that map, mm. that's not 800 people mm. unless they, they are taken in the surrounding villages that's mm-hmm. the only way that makes any form of sense mm. I call bullshit yeah. on that, Mr. Davis. Uh, <laughs> Woo. No, see, listen. You're you, a brave you, man. You know me. I, I'm, I'm a mapaholic you know. I know, I know how yeah. dem- demographics work and all this Maybe kind of there's stuff.
6: a traveller's camp <laughs> corner that we don't know about. <laughs> you know, Jenny, just past the traveller's encampment. Hey, yes, Brian, yes.
5: <laughs> but anyway, uh, thank you for, for calling in, uh, courty Bunny. Uh, isn't that the first time that he's called I
6: by the, by the way, Quilted Bunny, I completely agree with you about the, about the Toby's new girlfriend thing. Because the fact that when she, he said, where's, where's, uh, where's Toby, why isn't he looking after the baby today? And Pip said, oh, because he's doing something. Oh, I can't remember. Something to do with his botanicals. And I thought, botanicals, my ass. I thought, <laughs> girlfriend, that's what that is. Anyway, right. Uh,
5: now, let's uh, take three or four, come back to the side.
4: Hello, it's Yo Corbert here, calling with the social media roundup for the week. And we started the week in Ambridge with a, a, a plotline of real horror, real, real horror. When we found out that Jenny was going to have to give away one of her tagines, oh the horror! Oh the humanity! <laughs> But this prompted me on Facebook in the spirit of the confessional to confess that I don't own a single tagine and never have. Well, it turns out I'm not alone. A lot of people said they didn't have one. In fact, Ruth Pearl said my confession is even worse. I had to Google the word. Whereas Sue Hankins um, said, well, I'm coming out of the closet. I have a tagine and I have used it, not for ages, but winter's coming. Sue then also lists a lot of other kitchen appliances um, that she has. And she's got quite a lot of good ones. Want to see a good kitchen? Forget Jenny. Get down to Sue's. Jane Woodhouse went a bit eBay and said, I think I know someone who has one spare. It's quite jazzy, mind you. Um, Jane, I'm not sure what a jazzy tajine would look like. How do you jazz up a t-gine? Um, The mind boggles. Uh, whereas Rona Humphreys says tajine equals waste of oven space, but then did note that, um, <laughs> of course, Jenny used to have a double oven. She hasn't any more, though, has she? <laughs> Also, we had a great post from Stephen Botley um, who said, um, if you don't own a single one, you must have a pair. The world is divided into those who possess merely a single tagine, wishing secretly for two, or those that feel a sense of guilt and sadness for those who only own one. (laughs) Stephen also finished his post by saying, whatever next, maybe you will will claim you you only have a one-temperature kettle. Um, Stephen, I do. Oh, God, my life's so terrible. We also spoke about Elizabeth and her kind of... She seemed to rally a little bit, didn't she? But then, then obviously, she broke down again. And we asked you kind of how you were feeling about it. And this led to what I can only describe as um, the most disturbing post that we've had from somebody this week. Step forward, Mark Catchpole, who in just two sentences, I think just took all the joy out of the world when he said she shagged russ that's why he was in the shower oh god please don't make me think about this mark oh god saying that though it has been a bit of a theory on social media that this is where this is heading um and that you know russ seems to like being kept and well maybe lizzie's got more access to money i don't know i hope not i really hope not however a lot of people did have sympathy for for lizzie andrew horn our very own andrew horn said um her rallying lasted as long as some people's new year's resolutions. but seriously andrew thinks her motivation came from the right place um and Anne Lydon thought the same she said uh, when she said i think she was doing the right thing as a parent. Though Anne did say that she would have probably have poisoned Russ with some slow-acting but fatal drug before they left. Yeah, Anne, we we don't condone murder on Dumpty Dum. We're not always. I do. And and only some people. (laughs) Anyway... But of course, there was also a party in Ambridge this week um, where the wine couldn't quite fit on the kitchen counter, which is so small. Um, and uh, Brian put on, now that's what I call the 60s, volume 12. And we asked the question was, was Kirsty in the right? Were um, Jenny and Brian being a bit rude, having a weekday party with lots of noise? Um, and I was kind of airing on the side. I was definitely team Kirsty, having once had really noisy neighbours. But a lot of people disagreed. Um, Gail Parra says, nope, she's the kind of neighbour who complains you're parked in my spot when it's a public road. Mm. She doesn't own the place and she needs to learn to share. Laura Joe said they sounded a bit loud, but it's not like Kirsty was trying to uh, sleep yet, so she might have been a little bit premature mm. in her rant. Um, Martin van der Hoofel said it was as if I was listening to an episode of Corrie in the 60s and 70s. Elsie and Hilda yelling at each other through a thin wall. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be true. Um, whereas Geeta Beecroft said, who are these people who throw parties at the drogfa Um Anyway, the thought fills me with horror. My kitchen was built as a space to accommodate parties. Number of parties I've had there in three years, zero. Yeah, I'm with you, Geeta. I'm, I'm one of those people that I wouldn't have a party, and if I did i'd probably put up that bunting that says please leave by nine sorry to mention bunting i know it's still a sore spot for everyone however pete ransom was definitely team curse Kirst- uh, kirsty when he said agreed can you imagine a bunch of toffs moving in next door and then having a shindig when you're trying to get some rest and that eco-feminist um warrior line was just rude definitely team kirsty Um, And Pank Crocshanck said, stupid to have rented it in the first place. Isn't Blossom Hill still vacant? Now, we had a bit of a clarification on Twitter this week from uh, the Lord Emperor Kerry Davis of the script, um, who said that Blossom Hill isn't vacant, but it's um, currently um, being inhabited by silent characters. I don't know whether that's just... People that don't say anything on the archers or a monastic order of silent monks. I don't know. Could go either way, couldn't it? Also, for those of you that were listening to the Canterbury Dales, which I finally got round to listening to and thought, actually, do you know, I quite enjoyed it. I'm not a Chaucer fan, but I really did quite enjoy it. Um, We asked who told the best tale. And from the comments that we had, Kirsty won. Kirsty won the tales with Jim Lloyd coming a very close second. So just so you know who won. And finally, we had a bit of a discussion this week about because it was quite a lot of farming and agricultural talk in uh, a couple of episodes this week. And we wondered how people feel about the agricultural side of the show. Is it an essential part of it, or is nope. it a distraction it's from not. the plots? And guess what your thoughts were? Bloody farmers! But overwhelmingly, people really <laughs> liked the agricultural stuff as long as it's not too much. Glimful of love said it's part of the archer's DNA. More farming, less Hannah, please. <laughs> (laughs) Luke Hannington said, I like the archers best when nothing really happens, just variously accented people discussing um, cattle with the flour and produce and Christmas show thrown in as annual treats. Um, And Gene Bell said, I have very limited agricultural knowledge confined to small old fashioned farming in the New Forest when I was young. I really enjoy all the references to farming in the programme. And to be honest, I wish there were more. Um and Nancy Jane Morn said, "I love the farming conversation because it's the bread and butter of the archers, and it is really, isn't it? It's a t- it's a tale of farmers and farming community, um, and you know I think that's that's really good. Peter Maber also said it's essential." and a pleasant distraction from any soap opera tropes um yeah and i do love it i absolutely love it as well i was kind of brought up a little bit in the country um in my early life i was uh from a fairly rural community and so kind of you know i think it's 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 been part of the show it's like the backbone of the show isn't it um And so that's it. That's the social media roundup for the week. So quite a lot we covered there, really. Everything from tagines to agriculture um, and parties with really bad 60s music. I like a bit of 60s, but God, Brian, get some better music taste. So that's me done for the week. You'll have the pleasure of Millie Bell next week. But from me, it's goodbye. Uh, Loose.
5: Uh, Oh, sorry. uh, By the way, sorry. Well done, Yoko That was awesome. Uh, Thank you, sir. Right. right, Now... uh, whilst we were listening to Yokel Bear and I know you know this because I've whatsapped it to you I've just downloaded the map of Ambridge right I'm like a top with a bone on this one right I've counted approximately 50 buildings right bear in mind that the stables has three right Brookfield Farm has four right no five six seven right now If there's 800 people and there's approximately 50 buildings, let's say that all of the farm buildings inhabit human beings. That is an (laughs) average 16 people per dwelling in Ambridge.
6: Maybe they're all houses of multiple occupation.
5: (laughs) You know, I'm looking at this. And there are places that don't get mentioned anymore. Ambridge Farm. When's the last time we heard of Ambridge? Anybody, anything going on down at Ambridge Farm, Mm. right? There's four buildings there, right? Maybe there's a whole load of asylum seekers holed up in St. Stephen's Church. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you want to get round there and start, you know, start getting them all thrown out in the country or something. like. Utter yep. rubbish. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, give, give us some tweets. I need to exit out of this show. <laughs> Too sweet. Chop, chop. Come on.
6: <laughs> Sweary Jen Aldridge. Oh. Philip is back. I don't like him. He smells of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> David from Barnet. What's that you say, lassie? There's a problem with the old silage clamp? <laughs> I don't know why I went Australian because I was thinking of that bloody kangaroo, Skippy. Uh, Bob Hawkins. Kenton will be 12 on his next <laughs> birthday. Um Dichotomy, mm. I'm not in the mood for any kind of fuss, says the woman having a meltdown having been reduced to one tagine. Hashtag, oh, the horror. Uh, Alison, Tom's new online venture is to be entitled Hello Sausage. <laughs> <laughs> and John Reed, Street Tweet of the Week. Alan, hello, Shula, where are you off to with those coconut halves? <laughs> Shula, <laughs> fucking hell, Alan, are you still in this? <laughs>
5: I'll tell you what, right, uh, Luce. Uh, right. If you're a long time listener to the Arches, <laughs> looking at this map doesn't laugh, take you down a trip down memory lane. And, and that should be a, a name, of one of the uh, roads there, because the police house. When's the last time we actually heard of somebody talking about the police house? Wasn't that where Christine yeah. and George Barford retired to? I, I just, I'm just guessing. And
6: it burned down something, because something didn't. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, and whoever I'm, no god on my history. I can barely keep up with current events. Never mind history.
5: Arkwright oh, Hall doesn't get mentioned anymore. Yeah.
6: Well, that's derelict, isn't it? Is
5: it? So there's even less for because these wasn't mythical people. Somebody going people. to buy
6: it and do it up? Why do I think that Adam and it, somebody was going to buy it and turn it into something?
5: Mm. I don't know. But now it's all here. It's uh form farmhouse no i don't remember that but there are there are you know there are farms galore here anyway stop looking at the map royfield it's time for us to start to wrap this up and to say thank you to the people who have started buying things on uh on our shop uh, though what we need you to do um if you are purchasing stuff from us is to take a picture of yourself uh with your mug or in your t-shirt in your hoodie and somebody even bought a backpack today lucy and a tote bag really yeah, yeah yeah take a picture of you with your swag and whack it onto social media uh because that's just like quite a nice thing to do and it's really nice to see you in your dum dum attire and we thank you for helping to support our wonderful enterprise by purchasing things from our shop quite simply if you go to dummdydum.com go into the menu hit shop it will take you to the shop then what you do is you buy some stuff and then you get your credit card out and then it verifies it and then also the stuff comes to you and then everything's all right with the world so dummdydum.com go there it's got a shop it's also got a forum as well uh, so you can go there and talk about Archer stuff, or you can even pay the Right You Are quiz, which I know has had a whole load of. Oh, oh,
6: oh, 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 oh. oh. I have to do the email from Mike
5: Yes, Hatton. as soon as Hold I said that, then I remembered right. that too. Yes. Go.
6: Message from Mike Hatton. Hello, you three. Not sure who's doing the podcast this week. Can you give a plug for the Right You Are, Hello, you two quiz on the next podcast, please? That's what I'm doing, Mike. We've had eight sets of answers sent in on the comment form or by email to write writeur1951 at gmail.com. Uh, I think others have listened and played along and chosen not to send in their answers. Um, the leader is somebody called Lucy, hurrah, who scored 22. And it wasn't me. Who scored 22 and then amended a couple of her names and increased her score to 23. There is one voice remaining that no one has yet managed to identify correctly. If no one manages to get 24 out of 24, I will post the answers at the end of January. Uh, thank you to everybody for the nice compliments about the quiz. I am ready to start compiling one for next year, although Hello you 2s and Right URs are somewhat thin on the ground so far in 2019.
5: Mm. Sorry.
6: Um, let me give that email address again. Once you've done the quiz, you send your answers to Mike at... Right, you are 1951 at gmail.com. Or you can uh, send them in on the comment form.
5: Yes. I'm just looking at all the comments that you've got uh, from your photo of uh, your new studio. Goodness. Mm -hmm. And isn't yours saying, Oh, do you think people would like to see this, Royfield? I really don't know. (laughs) In your faux (laughs) bloody modesty. (laughs) No! (laughs) <laughs> anyway it's lovely and yes basil does look like a meerkat whoever the heck said he that? Does. well <laughs> spotted yes great <laughs> comments sir um where are you martin mckeverley yeah well, well done uh right uh so dumdum.com we've done that oh patreon.com so um if you don't want to go onto our shop and go and purchase and purchase uh some swag some wares some uh Bit, bit of homeware. We, we, we've got it all there. You can go to patreon.com, spend a princely sum of $2 per show, and you get extra content when, um, Somebody from the Archers wants to be interviewed by me. or uh, And, uh, and yeah, and there's other things besides that. So uh, go and do that. Uh, go on to patreon.com and uh, give us $2 per show to help keep us in, uh, as Robert would say, gold-plated microphones.
6: Remember, <clears throat> to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe or on the website, or you can call 0203 031 3105 to leave us a message.
5: And on social media, you can find myself, Royfield, and our Lucy at Dumpty Dum. And Lucy's at...
6: Lucy V Freeman.
5: And I can be found quite simply at Royfield. And very soon and very soon we will have the debut of our wonderful Kerry Warbis, who can be found at Kerry Warbis. And of course, our Rob Art is at Naked Fingers. On Facebook, uh, you can go and join the Millie Bell, Yoko Bear. And with a spoon uh show by simply typing in dum-de-dum on that social media platform right Arloose. Uh, that's just about it from me um you got any newspaper headlines you want to read out
6: I haven't not today I'm afraid
5: oh
6: it was all a bit brexity and I don't think anyone
1: needs any more of that do they <laughs> here's a cool fact